Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the first EPL Roundtable Women's World Cup podcast brought to you by Play Taga. If you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hey, hello, I'm Jay. I'm from the Eaglesbeak.com, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. Uh, we also cover the Palace ladies football team over the past couple of seasons, uh, which has been great to do. You can catch us on Twitter at Eaglesbeak. Hi, I'm Kieran. I am the host and founder of Women's Soccer Zone, a podcast dedicated to women's football globally, where we interview some of the biggest names from the game. And you can find us on Twitter on at WosoZone. Hi, I'm John from Playtaga. Playtaga has launched the Women's World Cup Challenge. It's available to play now on both the Apple Store and Google Play. And Women's Soccer Zone is a featured group. And the Eagles Beak has a private group as well please reach out to me at Fantasy Gaffer on Twitter. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Obviously, we were the four that were on the last women's special we did, so glad to have this group back together again. Uh, we don't have a making the rounds to do as such, but I figured we could briefly go over uh, the matches that happened last night. Um, I guess, just broadly speaking, the thing that I took away the most is that United States team desperately needs um, to have Rapino play playing in the midfield they did seem to lack a bit of their toughness they did seem to lack a bit of their horizontal ball distribution in terms of creating chances from the wings uh, with her out of the lineup and then uh, when Jill Ellis started making changes uh, uh, wholesale changes around the 60th minute and um, we saw Johnson come off we saw Abby Wambach come off you know immediately it becomes apparent that the United States doesn't have uh, a large aerial threat um, once those players are off the ground. Obviously, Lauren Holiday, a dead ball specialist, phenomenal free kick taker. Um, everybody knows how you know good Abby Wambach is in the air. And, of course, uh, Julie Johnson, the, the defender, scored with her head in a number of uh, nationally televised matches. And, you know, the United States is going to need to have those players, um, you know, fit. They're going to need to have their presence on the pitch in order to, uh, you know, assert the dominance uh, in the air. Yeah, I think the thing I took away most from it was how insane Carly Lloyd's first touch seemed to be. Um, very reminiscent of, of kind of Erickson in the middle of the pitch for Tottenham, where it just seemed like she she could create a lot of magic. Unfortunately, you know, the, the South Korean goalkeeper was pretty incredible, uh, obviously stunting our attack. But as you mentioned, no, no Rapino, no uh, uh, Alex Morgan either. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was definitely a fun one to watch. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see even better come the World Cup. Well, you know, I certainly agree. I, you mentioned Carly Lloyd's first touch, and I, was it Tobin Heath with the Elastico uh, in the yeah. New Zealand match that set up the Abby Wambach header at the far post? I mean, th- there's no question this American team has phenomenally skilled players. Uh, you know, it's just a little bit frustrating when you see that when they're lacking a little bit of their, you know, their finishing edge, that the team, it, it appears that the best way to beat this United States team, A, 
eliminate them through the air, if you can match up uh, you know, defensively with their aerial players, you have a much better chance of stifling their attack and force them to shoot from range. Um, they are all, again, they're all very skilled, they're all willing, and they're all able to score from distance. But if you allow them to get that lethal touch inside the box, you know, you're going to lose that match 3 4 nothing. If you're able to keep a lid on their aerial presence and you're able to push their attack further up the pitch, I mean, I think that blueprint was established pretty well by Korea last night. And I think that that's how we're going to see the, uh, the teams in Group D approach them in the opening round. Yeah, Kieran, we weren't the only ones playing last night. What did you make of England's match with Canada? England probably, if I'm being honest, were a little bit under par. I think when I look at some of the reaction of fans and, and fellow journalists, there was kind of the feeling that they didn't really give Canada as much of a game as, as maybe people will have hoped. Erin uh, McLeod in the Canada goal didn't have an awful lot to do. I think the best chance for England came a few minutes before the end when Farrah Williams hit the bar from a long-range effort. But other than that, they didn't have an awful lot to do. Sophie Schmidt scored a very nice goal in the first half of the game and, and that proved to be the key. England actually probably started the better, but after Schmidt got that goal, Canada really took control and they were very comfortable throughout. I think Mark Sampson certainly approached the game differently to maybe Canada did. He gave the opportunity to certain players who maybe haven't had a lot of minutes over the last few months, Ellen White being one who hasn't started for England for a while because of injury. Leanne Sanderson played and she hasn't had a lot of minutes for, for club or country recently. And other players such as Lucy Bronze, Steph Horton, Karen Carney, all coming back from injuries. So I'm not reading too much into it, to be honest. There was a lot of people kind of saying that it was it was a poor game from England, and it, and it was. But there are bigger things to come. They've got a big game opening up against France, and that will be their main focus. Canada, they were impressive. But again, I say Erin McLeod didn't have a lot to do. Karen Bardsley didn't have a huge amount either. So I think both teams, although in front of a big crowd, and although both would have been looking for the win, I think both were conscious that there are bigger things to come and, and neither team really went hell for leather. And I think that would probably be fair to say for the US career game last night. I don't think either team really wanted to bust a gut because no one wants to get injured a week before the tournament begins. Yeah, no, Kieran, you just mentioned that neither goalkeeper had very much to do in that Canada game. And, you know, the United States has now seen two phenomenally good goalkeeper um performances opposite them in their last two send-off matches. Uh, Kim Jong-mi for Korea obviously was very good. Uh, and the Mexican keeper was very good the last time out. You know, even even Hope Solo, I guess, last night, you know, she only made two saves with that last save coming in the 90th minute. You know, phenomenal piece, uh, you know, of goalkeeping. Is there a goalkeeper in particular? I mean, apart from obviously, you know, Hope Solo and, and the German goalkeeper as well. Is there another keeper that you're really keeping an eye on that could uh, spark a team to having a, a run like Japan did in 2011. Well, you mentioned the Mexico keeper, Cecilia Santiago. She made her debut, or certainly made her, her name, in the last World Cup as a 16-year-old in 2011. And you think a 16-year-old making her, you know, her name in a, in a major tournament, she will no doubt have an influence on the Mexico team as well. I mean, there are Goalkeeping is one of the positions that comes under most scrutiny in the women's game. I think it's fair to say when you ask the average Joe whether they like women's football, they will no doubt point to the goalkeeping first off. And I think it's a little bit unfair. I think in the past it's probably been a fair argument that goalkeeping hasn't been of the standard that we would like. But I think when you look around the the world game now, there are some top-class keepers, Nadine Angara for Germany, won the World Player of the Year last year. She is certainly someone who 
has a huge influence on that Germany team and saved not one but two penalties in the final of Euro 2013. Had a huge influence in that game and in that tournament. So she will be one certainly to watch. And she actually has announced that she's going to retire at the end of the season. She'll retire from internationals at the end of the tournament and she will retire from football altogether at the end of the Portland Thorns season, the club that she plays for. But there are there are goalkeepers all over the all over the shop that I think will will have a decent a decent say. Sarah Buhadi, who's the goalkeeper for France, who also plays for Olympic Lyonnais, she is a top class keeper, and and we've already mentioned Erin McLeod for Canada. I think she has a big influence on that side, and and Canada are blessed to have Karina LeBlanc, who is participating in her fifth World Cup. So they they will have plenty of options. But the goalkeeping situation for many teams is something that that has improved over the years and, and I'm, I think they play a bigger part now than they ever have done. Yeah, I think going back to the England game, it was a typical warm-up game really, wasn't it, for the World Cup? But I think if anybody's in any doubts about the, the quality of football that the women's game has, I think they just need to look at Sophie Schmidt's goal uh, for Canada because, I mean, what a strike. It's a Nick was brilliant. First time hit from the edge of the box. I mean, I, I mean it was a highlight of the game really, wasn't it? And um you know, I think Kieran sitting there on the head with some of the comments in that, you know, it wasn't a, a first choice 11 as such for, uh, for England. And it kind of, um, you know, after the goal, Canada really, uh, you know, ran, ran the game pretty much. But I don't think you read an awful lot into it. I know there's been a few comments in the media about, uh, you know, England's performance. But, you know, I think a lot of these things, kind of things, performances happen before such a big tournament as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I would be one of those. I wasn't particularly complimentary and, and I'd make no apology for that. But I'm also open minded enough to know that this isn't the, the priority for England. That game was about giving minutes to players who haven't had that time on the field. And I would rather sure. see England go hell for leather in that game against France and try and get that monkey off their back because they haven't beaten France in over 40 years rather than winning what essentially is a meaningless friendly. Mm. All right. Well, uh, we talked about Canada a little bit there, and, and we'll start with their group, Group A. Um, we're just going to jump right into it and go through each group and kind of talk about the favorites, maybe a dark horse that's in that group, and, and the players to look out for so that it'll make it easier to kind of pick which matches you'll want to watch uh, as viewers and listeners. So we'll start with Group A. Uh, Kieran, who do you think are the, the favorites and dark horses in this group? Favourites have to be Canada, host nation, crowd on their side, lots of build-up, lots of hype. I don't think you can see past them, but it won't be easy. It won't be easy at all. I like the teams that are in in that group. There's a lot of variety, lots of different sides that have differing skills. But Canada, the favourites for me, got to go with the Netherlands. Got to go with the Netherlands. I've I've mentioned them a couple of times and, and certainly picked up Vivian Neodima when I was on the last show. Uh, there are other players in that side as well who who are a big influence on that on that team, and I think that they could be the dark horses in that group without a doubt. Uh, aside from Christine Sinclair, who who else do you think are really the players to watch here? Canada have a young midfielder, seventeen-year-old Jesse Fleming, who burst onto the scene last year. Very exciting young prospect, young talent. I think if she's given an opportunity, she could be someone that if people don't know about now, they certainly will do in a month or six weeks' time because she is she's a real prospect, a lot of talent, a real attacking ability. And yeah, I, I think she's the player to look out for for Canada. They've got a lot of experience around her as well. We saw Sophie Schmidt's quality in the friendly against England with the goal that she scored. Desiree Scott will, will play an important part anchoring that midfield just in front of the back four. And 
She's not available at the start of the tournament because she's been out for quite a long time. But Diana Matheson is one of the most respected players, I would say, in world football. She's a pocket rocket. She's five foot nothing. But she has unquestionable and undoubted ability. And if they can get her fit and if they can get her available for maybe some of the later round games, she will have a big influence on that team because she is a wonderfully, wonderfully gifted player. Yeah, as Kira mentioned, I mean, you've got Canada, the outright favourites to win the group. Then you've also got China and Netherlands um, level at the moment, a six to one, and the New Zealand outsiders. So I, I quite, I quite like the look of Netherlands, having you know read a lot about them, read a lot of good things about them actually, and uh, yeah, some some of their decent players I think could uh, perhaps threaten Canada. And I think it happens in a lot of World Cups and top tournaments that sometimes there's a bit of pressure on the host to uh, you know to to, to win it um, outright. So there will be pressure on Canada. Um, yeah, I wasn't particularly impressed with her. They beat England the other night, and um, you know, while they kind of controlled the game after they took the lead, um, I'll certainly be looking out for Sophie Schmidt because I quite like, uh, yeah, quite like a goal scorer that you know that they can hit a ball quite like that. So it's going to be an interesting group for sure. I think China, are, you know, no no walkover, and, and as Kieran said, it's you know it's going to be a tough group because I think you know New Zealand can uh, put up a fight in the in 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 the group as well because they've got some decent uh, decent players there. So it's it's going to be an interesting group, I think. Yeah, just one quick point on the end of that, Jay. I, you know, I really, obviously, Canada being the host nation, it you know, sets up very well for them having the, the home fans on their side for every match. But the way that Group A's schedule plays out is actually very, very good for Canada as well. They get arguably the most difficult opponent in the opening match. They will play China in the World Cup kickoff on June the 6th, and they don't play the Netherlands until their final match. If Canada are able to come out and get a, a good win against China on June the 6th, come back and play uh, the minnows of the group New Zealand on 11 June, you know, they could have six points in hand by the time they get to that June 15 match against the Netherlands. Mm. On the flip side, if they lose that first game, then the pressure's on to get the, uh, yeah, get the, get the results against the others too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that, no, that's absolutely true. All right, uh, now we will swiftly move to Group B, which has current... Uh, best team in the world, Germany involved. Uh, where do you guys think this group will go? I think you know. I think that um, if you'd been asking this question in January, the obvious answer would have been Germany. Um, you know, as I'm sure Karen can speak to very well, the, Germany has suffered a number of high-profile losses. Um, they've lost uh, reigning World Player of the Year Nadine Kessler to uh, to a knee injury. You know, they also lost Lena uh, Wensing, the, a defender who has a broken leg. And then just two weeks ago, um, they lost Lira Lushi, uh, the 27-year-old. She's been capped 75, 80 times for Germany. Uh, she was going to be missing this tournament uh, as she's pregnant. And so, you know, it does it speaks to the depth that the Germans have that they are probably still considered the favorites in this group. But the reality is that squad is getting thinner by the day. Yeah, when I was researching this group, I came across a stat. I'd love to know if, if this is true or not, Kieran, because if so, it's incredible. Four of the forwards that Germany are taking uh, have 20-plus goals for their club sides. Off the top of my head, I wouldn't know, but it wouldn't surprise me because they have unbelievable talent up top. I'm going to assume that two of those would be Celia Sasic and Anja Mittag, who... Yeah, the other uh, ones being Melanie Behringer? Just Melanie Behringer, yeah. Go with me on pronunciations. Yeah. And Alexandra Pop. Alexandra yep. Pop, who plays for Wolfsburg, yeah, that that probably makes sense. Off the top of my head, I wouldn't have known that, but um, unreal talent going forward. Germany, they have so much depth and so much strength all over the park, as has already been mentioned. They do have a few players missing, but 
they just have an unbelievable pool of players to pick from. They still go into this tournament as favourites in many people's eyes. And as you've already mentioned, four players who have 20 plus goals for their clubs this season. It shows that they, uh, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. To draw a little bit of attention to one player in specific there, Karen, uh, Celia Sasic, she scored the opening goal in the Women's Champions League final uh, that Frankfurt ended up winning 2-1 over PSG. I know that you know women's soccer zone was covering that match and that tournament very, very closely. Do you feel like Sasic is playing the best football of her career right now? Yeah, I think so. I think so. She's in her prime at the moment. She's she's had a couple of years playing at Frankfurt. She was at Bad Neuner, another German side, uh, a couple of years before that. And she has been playing under the same coach during that time. She's been playing under Colin Bell, who's actually an English coach. And uh, he was saying to me, I interviewed him a couple of days after the tournament. And he said that, you know, she is in such fine form. And they're actually in a very difficult position, Frankfurt, because she's decided to waive the added year option on her contract. So after the World Cup, she will actually become a free agent. So there's a very good chance that Frankfurt are going to lose her with uh, with some big fish sniffing around her. But yeah, Sasic is an unbelievable player. I mean, she scored goals for fun in the UEFA Women's Champions League. She scored goals for fun in World Cup qualifying. And if anyone's doing fantasy football, she is a player to have in there for certain because the group that they've got as well with minnows like Thailand and the Ivory Coast there's going to be plenty of opportunities for her to, to notch a few goals. Yeah, Jay, you mentioned having the odds in front of you. Obviously, Germany are the front runners of this group as world ranking-wise, the front runners in the world. Um, mm. We have Cote d'Ivoire, Norway, and Thailand in there. Uh, which of those do you think are, are most likely to advance? Yeah, I mean, the, the odds of favour in Germany by a long way in this one. It's probably the, the group that... Uh, uh, the odd favours the outrights uh, as Germany, but um, you know the rest. The rest of the group is kind of a, I'll say Thailand are the outsiders in this one. Um, second favourites Norway to take the group, and then you got third favourites Ivory Coast in this one. Ivory Coast are currently fifty to one, while Thailand one hundred to one. But I've got a I got a player to look out for in this group, which is a German Marazan. I don't think she's suffering from injury at the moment, from what I've read. So. Certainly, a you know a player for the German side that can uh, that can do good things, and what I think is a you know a typical uh, you know German um, sports team, they they will be effective, and uh, you know she'll walk this group really, and you know the betting odds are probably quite right on this one. You know, it, it speaks to exactly how good Germany is in the world that we have barely mm. touched on Norway, and <laughs> in Norway you're looking at a team. I mean, they have 20 wins in the World Cup all time. They are the, you know, they were the runners up uh, to the United States. They beat mm. Germany um, in the 1995 uh, Women's World Cup 2-0. And so when the Group B kicks off on, on June the 7th, excuse me, um, Group B does kick off on June the 7th. But when uh, Germany and Norway meet on June the 11th, that's going to be a replay of the 1995 World Cup final. Uh, it's it's a phenomenally top-heavy group, but... It, could take nothing away from the potential that Norway has here. I'd agree with that. This is also a repeat of the Euro 2013 final. Germany and Norway faced each other in that tournament. And in that tournament, you had young prospects and young gems that have really come come of age in Ada Hegerberg and Caroline Hansen, who Hegerberg, I mentioned on your last show, plays for Olympic Lyonnais and, and Caroline Hansen, who plays for Wolfsburg. Those two are lightning fast they are great great talents and they will no doubt give Germany some problems so while you cannot go away from Germany winning this group and and 
being the favourites for the tournament overall, Norway will not roll over and Norway will give them a game and it will not be as one-sided as people think. If it is, then I will hold my hands up. But I'm of the belief that this Norway team has some real talent and they could cause some problems. Whether they can overcome the Germans, it may be too much to ask. But I, I fancied them to, to give the Germans a good go. Yeah, even um, if they're not able to to win the group, how far do you think Norway could go in this competition? Would they get kind of that quote-unquote dark horse label? Well, I mean, I haven't looked too much into the the kind of the, the, the possibilities of who will face who later on, because actually I quite like the element of surprise and I haven't tried to plan too much in advance. But if Norway do come runner-up to Germany, then they are likely to come up against England in the last 16, because England, many will expect to come runners-up to France. So let's just say Norway do come second to Germany. They will play either England or France because they play the runner-up in Group F. So that will be a big ask for Norway coming up against England or France. So that will very much be dependent on who they come up against in the last 16. But Dark Horse, yeah. Yeah, I think they could be. As I say, I think they have the talent there. But um, some people don't agree with the way that they go about things. They do like to play a kind of a direct style and, and they didn't win a huge number of fans during Euro 2013. But I think they've, uh, as I say, they've got some exciting players there, and if they can, if they can make an impression early doors, then yeah, why not? They could certainly go into the later rounds. All right, now on to Group C, where we have Japan, Switzerland, Cameroon, and Ecuador. Obviously, Japan crushed a few American hearts at the last World Cup. Do you think they'll be able to do it again? You know, Japan's group here with Switzerland, Cameroon, and, and Ecuador in Group C certainly sets up nicely for the reigning World Cup holders. Um, Japan, they've looked fine in qualifying. They've looked largely fine um, in their what I've seen of their of their lead into the World Cup. Um, but I think I I almost prefer the narrative with Japan in that this is a team that only had two World Cup victories before they went on that phenomenal 2011 campaign. And what I like about that is it shows that there's a more parity coming into the women's game. And B, that while we are going to spend an inordinate amount of time talking about the favorites in each of these groups and you know the players that we expect to become international stars uh, when given this platform, that there are maybe another half dozen teams that fit Japan's profile. And while they may not have the pedigree on the international scene, they do possess the quality, they do possess the unity of team spirit that they could make a deep run in, the, uh, in Canada 2015. Yeah, for this group, it's um, yeah as John mentioned, Japan looked the outright uh, winners of the group. They're currently favourites in the uh, in the odds, followed by Switzerland, Ecuador, and Cameroon. The outsiders. I think the one for me to watch in this group is uh, a Japanese player Sawa, or Sawa is that what you say? Sawa, um, former player of the year. Um, she was um, in the team that was uh, in a Japan team that was the first runner-up in the 2011 World Cup. Um, and, um, you know, she's got so many, she's, I think she's pushing 200 caps for her country as well. And, uh, you know, it's one of those players that you, you know, like to see play in the world cup, look, possibly be a last, uh, last world cup for a country. So, uh, it's one, certainly one to watch in the group, but I think Japan should, uh, you know, look like walk in this one. Very experienced side, Japan, uh, retained a number of the players that won the world cup in 2011. You mentioned there, Jay Homarisawa. Uh, this will be her sixth World Cup. Unbelievable Dang. to think, but this will be her yeah. sixth World Cup. She's 36 years old, so it definitely will be her last Wait, did tournament. She, is to... she the one that came out of retirement to play this tournament? 
I'm not sure she even retired. It was one of those mm. where we didn't really know if she was going to be involved or not, but it was kind of kept very hush-hush. But there were question marks over whether she'd be involved or not. But yeah, sixth World Cup. So incredible to think that, you know, to play one or two is an achievement, mm. to, but to be involved in six. But she will be she will be an important part of that squad, no doubt about that, as Joe mentioned. She won the, the, the Ballon d'Or, the female version of the Ballon d'Or, shortly after they won the World Cup. And it's interesting because... You ask a lot of experts and you ask a lot of journalists and fans, and despite the fact that Japan are the current champions, not many people have got them down as favourites. You know, people were mentioning Germany, they're mentioning France, they're mentioning the US, but not many mentioning Japan, which is which is crazy considering they're the holders. But they have some very, very talented players. We've mentioned Sawa, Ayamiyama. Ayamiyama, in some people's eyes, one of the best players ever to come out of Asia, one of the best players in the world still, very talented, very big influence on that side. If you watch... Um, the 2007 World Cup, Japan and England played each other in their group games and Ayamiyama scored two brilliant free kicks in that game. She has just unbelievable ability. Uh, there are two players that fans of English football will will be well averse with, um, actually three, uh, Yukari Kinga and Shinobu Ono, who both played for Arsenal Ladies last year. Didn't really make much of an impact, but certainly... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Players that uh, turned out quite a lot for, for Arsenal ladies and Yuki Agimi as well. Yuki has played a lot of her football out in Germany. Uh, she was playing for to be in a Potsdam uh, she then uh, came over to England playing for Chelsea Ladies and she's now back in Germany playing for Wolfsburg. But don't rule the Swiss out because there's a few people who've got those as dark horses as well. They have some very talented players, one of which Lara Dickenman, who has won numerous trophies with Olympic Lyonnais. Very versatile, has played along with the back line, can play in midfield as well. Um, I've interviewed Lara a couple of times. Very, very switched on player and, and very, very talented and uh, Romana Bachmann as well, who is considered to be one of the best players in Europe and certainly one of the best players in, in the Swedish league. She currently plays uh, out there in Sweden and she's only 24 years old and, and she will have a big influence on that team. And actually anyone who remembers the qualification for the 2011 World Cup 
Ramona Backman actually got England goalkeeper Rachel Brown finished sent off after feigning injury, which was uh, <laughs> a slight black mark against her name. But I'm led to believe she has apologised since then. So, um, but wonderfully talented player, and uh, I think the Swiss could be dark horses. They've got some very gifted players, and and they'll give Japan a game when they come up against each other. Kieran has uh, brought up a number of historic moments for, for American fans that are trying to wrap their head around why they remember Ayamiyama and Homari Sawa. Uh, those are the two goal scorers that uh, scored to cancel out the opener by Alex Morgan and then the 104th minute goal by Abby Wambach in the 2011 final when Japan twice came back to level against the United States before going on to win uh, 3-1 on penalty kicks. Homari Sawa also scored the uh, what would be the winning goal in the semifinal that year uh, when Japan bested Sweden 3-1. Uh, she had scored Either side, she'd scored in the middle. Uh, Nahomi Kasuma, uh, Kawasumi scored either side of Sawa to give Japan that 3-1 win. So these are all players that, again, if you were a fan of the United States in 2011, the names you will sound familiar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely going to sound familiar. Yeah. Tear-bringing players. And Kawasumi, um, Kawasumi will be uh, will be recognizable to people who follow the NWSL because Kawasumi was playing for the Seattle Reign last year, had a big influence on that team. All right, several USA name drops there, which leads us perfectly into Group D. Uh, as far as media go for this group, D stands for death, uh, as you have three teams in the top ten in the world rankings, all in this group with USA, Australia, and Sweden, with Nigeria bringing up the rear in the group. Um, obviously, for the USA, hopes are high. It's pretty much title or bust at this point, considering what's happened in the past two World Cups. Um, it will definitely be interesting to see what happens with the U.S., considering the, the injuries that we mentioned at the beginning, we haven't seen Hope Solo or Rapino in a, in a little while, and hopefully they'll be fit heading into the tournament. Um, obviously, the turf thing might be an issue uh, for us going forward with um, Abby Wambach, who's on kind of older legs and was one of the leaders of that. We're not going to play if it's turf, but then we're all playing on turf. Uh what are the odds for, for Australia and Sweden? Can they win the group, or are they going to finish 2-3 and that third-place team easily cruise through? You know, I, this is one of those uh, groups where I think it's it's properly named the group of death in as much as only two teams are going to come through. Uh, you know, the United States obviously consider presumptive favorites to win, and, and as you mentioned, Australia and Sweden are in the group. But what really makes this group dangerous in my eyes is the fact that Nigeria is the fourth club, yeah, excuse me, the fourth nation in the group. Um Asisat Oshola, who was just named the BBC Women's Footballer of the Year. Um, she's 20 years old. She plays for Nigeria. She's uh, playing for Liverpool Ladies and is certainly capable of turning a game on its ear uh, completely by herself. Having a, a team like that, particularly with a single standout individual like that, who's capable of taking a point or even three points off of any of the other three uh, in the group means I don't think we see a team come through here with nine points. Um, you know, we may not see anybody come through here with six points. It may be five points that wins this group. There may be a couple of different teams on five points. And ultimately that may result in, in just, um, you know, two, two teams uh, progressing out of group D. Yes. Yeah, it's a tough group to, uh, um, to, to choose between the teams. Actually, as John just said, um, USA outright favorites in the best in the moment to five Sweden um second favorites are three to one of Australia on 14s and Nigeria on 50s but I think it's probably a little bit closer now as um, as John alluded to Nigeria are a team that can spring a surprise um just a little bit of the unknown for the other sides I think 
they are and um uh, australia are tough so I, but you know doing my research and stuff is is quite a few players i think this is a group where you've got quite a few players that are worth watching out for particularly you know the usa side um you've got alex <clears throat> sorry alex morgan and you've also got abby wambach who's uh, already mentioned and, and obviously hope solo in the american team but you've also got the australian keeper which is highly rated as well and also you've got the swedish player carol seager um so you've got you know, a number of players that can, you know, on their day, um, you know, do something to, um, you know, to, to to help their team to a win. So I think it's going to be tight. As the betting odds go, it's actually not the closest in the betting. I think the first group, Canada's group, is the closest in the betting odds. But I think um, this one will turn out to be one which will be the closer. And I don't think, as, as John said, it's going to be as easy for USA to get, you know, a straight nine points out of it. Oh God, where do I start on this group? There's so many discussion points and that's one of the reasons why I'm actually going out to Canada to follow this group as opposed to going to follow England, which has uh, raised a few eyebrows of some friends and family who are wondering why I'm not going to support my home nation. But that's for another conversation, another time. But yeah, I mean, this group is 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 got so many, so many interesting talking points. The The fact that You've got the African Cup of Nations champions in there. You've got the one of the favourites. You've got one of the European, you know, mighty sides in Sweden and, and Australia who continue to develop and continue to make an impression on world football. It's just, I'm not surprised that the betting in, is probably closer on this group than any other because there are going to be opportunities for anyone to be anyone. They genuinely are. And the players to pick out, there are so many. I mean, already uh, Asisat Oshwala has already been mentioned. I think most people will know the, the big name players for the United States. But I'd like to add uh, Morgan Bryan, the young midfielder who is only playing her first year as a professional player. She's been in the United States set up for a few years now, but uh, she was playing in, this, in the team while playing in college. Uh, she got drafted by the Houston Dash this year so it's her first year as a professional but a wonderfully gifted young midfielder and, and she will have a big influence on that side and uh, for Sweden we were mentioning goalkeepers earlier and actually I didn't uh, I failed to mention Hedvig Lindahl who currently plays over here in England for Chelsea ladies big imposing goalkeeper has a big influence on that Sweden side and, and I think she will have have an important role to play for the Swedes and, and in terms of attacking players they they have a wealth of talent. Uh, Lotta Schelling, who plays her football in France for Lyon, one of the best players in Europe, hands down, without question, scores goals for fun and is one of the, the most respected players in Europe and probably in the world. Kosafari Aslani, her strike partner, plays for Paris Saint-Germain. Different type of player, but they, they are very different, Schelling and Aslani, but because of that, they link up very well. Caroline Sager has already been mentioned, but and Neela, Neela Fischer, who plays centre-back, uh, who also plays her football in Germany for Wolfsburg. Big influence on that side uh, for Australia. The benefit for Australia is that they have a lot of their players having played in the United States over the last couple of years. A lot of their players have played in the NWSL, and because of that, they have really, really improved. Um, and that's been noticeable when they go back to their own country uh, and play in the Australian W League and, and really make an impression there. And there's players that will, will no doubt have, have a big tournament. The good thing for Australia is they're still very young, but a lot of those young players were actually picked to play in the 2011 World Cup, the likes of Samantha Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Emily, Emily Van Egmond. They were all teenagers when they played in 2011, so they're four more years experienced and they will have a big part to play. Lisa Devanna, an experienced striker for them, will, will have a big, a big influence, I think. One surprise was uh, striker Kate Gill being left out. Many expected her to be involved, has been uh, one of only two Australians to be named 
the Asian Footballer of the Year. The other one, Katrina Gorey, who will have a big part to play in midfield for Australia. Um, but uh, they're, they're a talented group, the Australians, as are the Nigerians. So this is this is an exciting group and, and I can't wait to get out there and, and watch some of the games. Yeah, Kevin, just before you know, we move on to the next group, these are teams that have you know, a considerable amount of history as well. If you go back to 2007, um, you know, Group B included uh, the United States, Sweden, and Nigeria. And that, um, you know, the United States did best. Nigeria won nothing on a Lurie uh, Chalupni goal. But again, Nigeria, even as, in, as far back as 2007, was showing the ability to come out and take a point off of, uh, off of you know, presumably uh, more experienced international sides. In the 2011 World Cup, Germany was paired in a group with Canada, France, and Germany. Um, they ended up finishing third in that group. They did beat Canada 1-0 in their final match, but it was a pair of 1-0 losses to France and Germany that I think really raised some eyebrows and proved Nigeria's bona fides in terms of, uh, you know, international uh, quality. All right, and now on to Group E, uh, where we have Brazil, South Korea, Spain, and Costa Rica. Uh, I honestly didn't know much about uh, Korea until we played them yesterday, we being the U.S. That'll get confusing if I keep swapping U.S. and Netherlands with that word. But... Uh, they looked very impressive. Unfortunately, lost a player due to injury, which is the last thing you'd want to see in kind of your last warm-up. Uh, but how do you see this group shaping up? Obviously, Brazil have Marta, but do they have much outside of that? So, yeah, Marta, the undoubted standout player, a player who's won the female Ballon d'Or on a number of occasions, but they have some very interesting players that play around her, the likes of Christiane, another forward player who played in the 2011 World Cup. They have lots of experience in the side. Formiga, another player who's played in a number of tournaments and, and Rosanna as well is another player that I like. So they're not a one player team. No way. Not at all. Fabiana, another one who plays in defense is another one who, who is a big influence on that team. So they are no way reliant just on Marta. They have plenty of, plenty of talent as you would expect from a Brazilian team and no doubt will go into that group as favorites. You know, I mentioned on our last podcast, uh, and, and not to jump completely off of Brazil onto Spain, but I mentioned in our last uh, pod that the Spanish national team has a number of players that are playing their club football uh, for Barcelona, who are the four-time now reigning uh, champions of uh, of that league. And I, I want to talk about what we talked about with Group A in terms of the way the schedule sets up. Spain's opening matches against Costa Rica, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to see Costa Rica taking a point from Spain there, which means that when Brazil meets Spain on June the 13th, you could have the first-place position um, in that group up for grabs. Obviously, Spain's going to finish up with Korea Republic. Should they fail to take even a point off Brazil, that's going to be a must-win match for them to be able to progress. Uh, so I, I like the way that this group is, is lined up in terms of a schedule, and I think the fact that Spain, Costa Rica, and Korea could trade uh, very evenly on the pitch is going to make it uh, a very entertaining group to watch. Yeah, the, the betting's going the same way as you guys have just spoken. Um, you know, the two um, football superpowers in Brazil and Spain are obviously the you know the two favourites. Brazil are the the favourites at the moment, three to ten. They're obviously um, you know got a bit of form in the World Cup, having uh, been runners up before uh, in two thousand and seven, and also uh, got third place in ninety nine. So. You know they they know the World Cup process and obviously been there and they've still got players around which uh, you know would have played in those. So um, yeah, currently Brazil favourites. Then you've got Spain a close uh, you know close five to one. Then you've got South Korea and then Costa Rica are out at forty to one at the moment. So uh, there's not a lot of talk about Costa Rica really threatening uh, either of the top two in this group really. But you know it's a World Cup, isn't it? You know um, any of these teams could spring a surprise. That's what it's all about. 
yeah, a, a, an Australian journalist that I get on very well with uh, branded this group the group of tech as opposed to the group of death. The group of tech as in technical ability because <laughs> you do have some technically wonderfully gifted players. We've mentioned the players from Brazil. Um, Spain have some wonderful players as well, the likes of uh, Veronica Boquete, who uh, was nominated for or, or made the, the shortlist for the BBC Women's Player of the Year and also was in the final 10, didn't make the final three, but made the final 10 for the female Ballon d'Or, which is literally just actually this week signed for Bayern Munich, who won the Frauen Bundesliga a few weeks ago. And and Veronica is a wonderful, wonderful player. I've seen her play uh, in the NWSL last year with the Portland Thorns and some of the games, she she ran the show. She absolutely dominated the midfield and she will be a big player to watch in this World Cup. I'm really looking forward to see how she does on the biggest stage. Jennifer Hermoso, who um, who used to play out in, in Sweden with Tiraso and, and is back in Spain now. Uh, another very gifted, talented player and um, a couple of players who play in England uh, for Arsenal. Uh, Natalia Pablos, who used to play for Bristol Academy, will, will be a threat up front. And um, Vicky Lasada who plays in midfield. So, yeah, Spain at 5-1, to one, that's not a bad bet because if they can take something from Brazil, I fancy them to, to win the other two games. Uh, South Korea, you will have seen last night, Jisoo Yun, the stand-up player for them, who plays her football for Chelsea Ladies. Costa Rica have one professional player, Shirley Cruz, who plays her football for Paris Saint-Germain. I saw her play in the UEFA Women's Champions League final. Unfortunately for her, PSG were, were outplayed, but... Shirley is very, very gifted, very highly thought of in the French League, has won awards in France as well. So a player to look out for. Costa Rica might not be able to get too many results, but do look out for Shirley Cruz because she's uh, one to watch, definitely. All right, Kieran, I did want to get your your thoughts on this. Uh, Last night uh, during the USA versus South Korea match, um, they mentioned a player, the Korean Messi. Uh, And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll go research that tomorrow. And two names came up. Both Ji So Yun and Song Woo Lee. Uh, do you think that they'll have any big impact on this group? In a word, yes. I think you look at your star players to really pull the team through games that are no doubt the underdogs in that matchup. And uh, Ji So Yun is uh, a player that I've seen a lot of. Uh, she was named the PFA Player of the Year over here in England uh, recently. And uh, she's very highly thought of over here. I haven't seen a lot of uh, the South Korea, unfortunately, so it's difficult for me to, to kind of pick players out individually. But Ji So Yun certainly will will have an influence, no doubt. I'm curious if in England, this France-England opening match of the World Cup is getting any kind of buzz. Because to me, it seems like one of the best matches in the entire tournament. Yeah, I think it is. Um you're right. One of the the most interesting in terms of both seen as two big European nations in women's football. There's also the subplot with the fact that England haven't beaten France in over 40 years, which is, you know, something that England have to try and overcome sooner rather than later. And where better to do it than in an opening game of a, of a World Cup group match? Um, but yeah, there is a lot of buzz, I think, both in France and in England. I speak to some French friends and some French journalists who I work closely with and and they're very, very excited. And I think that obviously both teams see this as decisive in who's going to top the group. Um, both Colombia and Mexico, the other two teams. Colombia, a bit of an unknown entity in terms of uh, what they can bring to the table. And Mexico, not one considered to be one of the stronger nations, but on their day are, are a very decent outfit. But I think both England and France deep down see this as winner takes all. The winner of that game is likely to top the group. So, yeah, a lot of buzz around. Yeah, I think... 
any any uh, matchup between France and England is uh, you know is a, is is billed pretty pretty highly over here. Um, as 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 the betting goes, I think England probably count themselves um, quite fortunate. They've they've got this group in a way. I know no teams are pushovers, but I think it's perhaps one of the better groups uh, in in the competition. We've already spoken about a couple which are quite quite tight and difficult to uh, to pick the uh, you know the, the the top two at least. I think yeah, Kieran said uh, exactly uh, what I was going to say. I think the winner of this first game will. Um, you know, we'll see to uh, the winners of the group, um, really. And it's probably not a bad game to start the group off with because, um, you know, England and France would both expect to beat the other two group uh, teams in the group, Colombia and Mexico, who are uh, the outsiders at 16s and 20s at the moment. France are currently favourites to take the group 8-11 to 11, with England 6-4. to four. Um, So, you know, it is quite tight. It's as tight as uh, perhaps the first game, opening game predicts. And I think John's right. It's one of the games that are, you know, the, the opening rounds of, uh, of the World Cup in Canada. I think... Um, France have one of the players to watch in, uh, I think, Gatan Thinney. I think I'll struggle with the first name, but Thinney is the second name. Attacking midfielder for France, I've read a lot about her. Seems a very exciting player uh, and one that could, uh, you know, set this group alight, really. And uh, you know, there's nothing better than an attacking, uh, attacking player to, uh, you know, to get the goals for a team. So I'm looking forward to watching her play. Good effort with that, Jay. Gaetan Tine is the is the correct pronunciation, but you were, you got the surname right. You got the surname right. But yeah, <laughs> unbelievable player. What uh, one of the few French players that doesn't play for PSG or Lyon. You know, she plays her club football for Juvisy, who who used to be one of the. I guess I wouldn't say they're not one of the giants of French football, but they're not a professional outlet like Lyon and like PSG. So they've fallen away a little bit. They have been in the UEFA Women's Champions League in the past, but have fallen away a bit. But Tine. Definitely one of the standout players for them, or the standout player for them, and, and also for the French national team as well. And they, I've, I think they are a lot of people's favourites for a very good reason. They have talent all over the field. They have a wonderful midfield three in Louisa Nassib, uh, Camille Abeli, and, and Amadine Henri. Um, and then they have a wonderful talent up front, the likes of Tine and Eugenie Le Sommer. Elodie Tomis is, is rapid, so look out for her. She is lightning um, and quality sometimes lets her down a little bit, but absolutely rapid. Um, back four is as solid as any with uh, centre-backs Laura Georges and Wendy Renard. So they, they are favourites for a reason um, because they have talent all over the field. But we spoke about England in, in last show, so I'm sure there'll be many that, that know uh, the outfit and certainly many will have seen the England-Canada game. But the likes of Jordan Nobson is down to have a good tournament. And um, I think the likes of Enya Luco is going to have a big, a big influence on this side. Uh, Colombia and Mexico, as I mentioned, Maybe not as well known to some, um, but Mexico have many, many players that play their football in in the NWSL. I like Teresa Noyola, who plays in midfield. She uh, has played for a number of clubs out in the US, but a player with with undoubted talent. They have Monica Acampo. They have the likes of Veronica Perez, um, Alina Garcia-Mendez. They they have some real talent in there, and, and they drew with England um, when they made, when they faced each other in the 2011 group stages. So. Uh, they they will have an influence, I'm sure. Uh, they should probably finish third in that group if you're going on um, who's who's looked at as favourites. Um, and with Colombia, I'll be the first to admit, not seen an awful lot of Colombia, but uh, I actually interviewed one of their players a few weeks ago, Yoreli Rincon, a 21-year-old who uh, played her football out in Sweden, currently playing out in Italy. Um, really high hopes for her, both in Colombia and for her club. So... Yeah, interesting group, but should be France and England that finish in the top two and probably Mexico in third. 
All right, and that concludes the groups. Uh, just very quickly, we were going to talk about just kind of the squads when they were selected. Obviously, we're a few days late, but uh, any big snubs or, or surprises that have been named in their national teams? Difficult one to say, Kev. I think, as I mentioned earlier, Kate Gill for Australia, I think, was a big omission. Um, she's had a big influence on that side over the years, and, and I think there were many that were expecting her to be to be in that squad. Um, so I think she was quite a high-profile omission. The US ended up having to leave out Rachel Van Hollebeck and Crystal Dunn, both of which had been involved um, over the past months and past years. And it was a difficult decision for Jill Ellis to have to leave out two from the from the players that have regularly participated. England have had to leave out a couple. Jess Clark, who had a good season for Notts County Ladies last year. Uh, Demi Stokes, who played the vast majority of, of the qualifiers for England um, in the lead up to the tournament. So... It's difficult to pick out individuals across the board, but yeah, there are some notable absentees for sure. All right. And on that, we are out of time. Uh, so we'd obviously like to thank you for uh, listening to this Women's World Cup one. Uh, we will uh, not be as reliant on uh, stats and like going forward as we'll be seeing more and more of the women's game. Uh, admittedly, we are not uh, experts, possibly save for here and there. Um, but obviously we can't wait for the tournament to get going and, and really dive into the football once once that starts happening. All right, well, uh, guys, this is the end of the show. So if you have any things you'd like to plug or if you want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on, Kev, uh, Kieran, Jay. It's, it's been wonderful to speak with you gentlemen as well. I look forward to your continued coverage of the World Cup uh, throughout the month of June and into July. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Gaffer. You can find Play Taga uh, on Twitter at Play Taga. The game is the Women's World Cup Challenge. It's available now on Android and Apple. You can find it at Google Play Store uh, and your Apple App Store. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeat.com. We're a Palace fan site predominantly, but we do talk uh, football in general. So head on over and check out the website. We've got loads of stuff um, on the site the last few days. We're clo- kind of um, signing things down as the season's uh, now gone, but uh, we're hoping to keep things sticking over in the summer. So by all means, head on over. We're all, on all social media, but um, mostly active on Twitter at EaglesBeat. So thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks again very much for having me. Pleasure to be on with you guys. Uh, as I said, I'm the founder and host of Women's Soccer Zone. You can find us on audioboom.com forward slash Zone or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter on at Zone. And just a very quick one from me. Thank you very much to EA Sports for listening to the last EPL roundtable yeah. that was on with you guys and including women's footballers on FIFA 16. <laughs> We called it. We called it so hard. And if you'd like to see all of our tweets about it, just go back a few days because we all lost our minds. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was very well timed on our part. So thanks, thanks for reminding us of that. Um, if you need to find me, I don't know why you would, but I'm over on Twitter at Kevroth. And as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. 
Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.